0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Honors have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to midwayusa.com. I told the doctor I broke my leg in two places.
1: He told me to quit going to those places. Henny Youngman.
2: And this doctor threw out all kinds of diagnoses, and we were like, that just seems crazy. And she got the MRI, and she had a fracture, a tear, a bursitis and a meniscus injury like everything in her knee was injured and all she had done was that she could think of was like jump off the last rung of a bump bed it just landed just right and just obliterated her knee but most people wouldn't even be able to put pressure on that but she was just lightly limping the the reality of this is a pretty bad injury sunken. in uh, and I mean she I haven't talked to her in a while but I know she went off to rehab like her knee and just, you know, be off trail. And I think her prognosis is pretty good without surgery, but just that many things being wrong.
1: I'm Doc, and this is the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the trail, dirt bags, and hiker trash. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freaking Pod. Let's start off with a reminder. If you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute, help us out, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. All right. This week we are talking to a true friend of the hiking community. This week's guest follows the PCT bubble of through hikers and provides medical assistance as needed to help ensure folks can stay out on the trail. Welcome to the John Freak and Muir Pod, Dr. Morgan Brosnahan. How's it going, Morgan?
2: It's good. Yeah, it's good to be here.
1: Did I get the last name right?
2: You did. You nailed it, and that never happens.
1: <laughs> okay. All right. That's a that's a check in the good column for me. <laughs> Now we know that uh, there is a peculiar American tradition of trail names out there. So when you're on a, when you're on a long trail, you know the AT, the PCT, the CDT. Uh, typically, people are assigned trail names because of something that has happened out there on the trail. Maybe uh, a peculiarity about that particular hiker. Maybe maybe somewhere where they're from. Uh, have you in your your journeys out there? Have you picked up a trail name?
2: I have. And so I have kind of like a, a lengthy history of trail names because I started with the name WAGS that I got on the long trail because I was hiking with my dog at the time. Um, but then I've since learned that apparently I can't pronounce WAGS efficiently enough. And so people would almost always say, oh, WAGS. And that just drove me nuts. So I, I dumped it early in the PCT and then eventually ended up with noodles which was just whenever i take my hair out of actually this braid uh, after being very dirty and crusty it looks very much like raw ramen noodles
1: <laughs> okay you said wags i was going to ask if it was related to a story uh, involving a wag bag
2: <laughs> see another reason to ditch wags <laughs>
1: yeah, agreed agreed uh, Noodles. Since- so if you don't mind we will go by trail names the rest of the way through Uh, Doc is my trail name. It's not on my paycheck or driver's license. So you can call me Doc and I'll call you Noodles.
2: Yeah, that's fine. I will say though, some people do call me Blaze because of the Blaze physio thing, Um, which that was surprising to me because I just picked it as a business name because I thought like Blaze is on the tree. It's like a guide that shows you where to go. And that's kind of like what I'm trying to do. And then almost immediately it became my name. So out in this season, I'm. I'm pretty widely known as Blaze. So I'm I kind of dabble with both. It's Blaze or Noodle. So whatever you prefer.
1: <laughs> which, which do you prefer?
2: Uh let's go with Blaze. It probably makes more sense in the scheme of this conversation. Blaze.
1: Okay, you got it. And what a great name for your business. I mean, it fits it fits perfectly. That is that is awesome.
2: Thank you. I had five months of walking to think about it. So
1: <laughs> it's amazing how you can reach clarity with five months of time to think about things
2: definitely the two things i think i thought about the most was how can i create something that keeps me involved with the trail community and what am i going to name my dog that i'm going to get after trail and i came up with blaze and honey
1: (laughs) blaze and honey Uh
2: uh-huh
1: h-o-n-e-y yep got it okay Now this this interview is has been a little bit of time in the making. I mean, we we have kind of uh we initially connected because of a reference from one of my previous guests, but you've been busy and and we've been unable to kind of schedule this interview until now.
2: Yeah, it took uh, a nice heat wave in Shasta to be a great time for this interview. So, taking this day in a tiny house with AC made for perfect uh podcast conditions, but Things are, uh, they're slowing down compared to the beginning of the trail, but still, still pretty steady. There's a lot of Sobo's joined in the mix. So it's kind of reviving things a bit.
1: Okay. Yeah. In the, in the pre-interview talk that we had, you mentioned that you're calling it from Shasta and you're in a tiny, tiny home. Is it a hostel or an Airbnb?
2: It's a hostel. So hostel. it's about, well, it's only like a two minute drive from the Soda Creek, uh, like Trailhead in Dunsmere and then uh, Kelly Fish runs it. It's like one of the most on-brand trail experiences that you could have because there's outdoor beds, there's, you know, instruments laying around, there's, you know, tapestries and just, it's just very good vibes all around. So it's a, it's been a lovely place to hang for the last week.
1: Nice. And as a tiny home hostel, you mentioned that you have a bed. And an air conditioner. I mean, what else What else do you need, right?
2: Literally nothing. That's it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. Hey, Blaze, have you listened to the podcast before?
2: I have not because I don't listen to podcasts all that often, but it is on my list and has been pre-downloaded. So next okay. time I'm taking a long drive.
1: <laughs> That's fine. And the only reason I ask is I want to make sure that you are aware of a segment that we do towards the end of the episode called the Pro Tip Inside of the Week. And that's where I will turn to you and ask you to share some trail wisdom with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better. So don't be surprised.
2: Oh, good. I have lots of things I can say on that. <laughs> okay,
1: and that's good because you are expected to drop trail wisdom throughout the episode, but you will be officially on the hook for the official pro tip inside of the week at the end.
2: Perfect. I'll make sure I hold on to the best tips for that part. <laughs> that's right. You can't
1: you can't recycle them. So be be yeah. very judicious in your comments today.
2: Yeah, well, I tell you, I've seen a lot in the last several months. So I <laughs> feel like I could rip about tips for a
1: while. Oh, uh, you know, this is this this bodes well for the episode because when someone says <laughs> I've seen a lot, I mean that I'm looking forward to some of these stories.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I mean,
1: I know there's doctor doctor patient, you know, privilege, and uh, we'll we'll keep it anonymous, but we want to hear some stories.
2: Yeah, I think some of these hiker experiences, they would be more than pleased if I spared somebody else their fate. So (laughs) if any good came of some of these things, that would be a good thing.
1: (laughs) That's a fair point. Nice. The Must Bring Gear Review. All right. Hey, another feature we've been doing this season is the Must Bring Gear Review, sponsored by the ultralight backpacking gear company, Six Moon Designs. And here's how it works. If you were to let a stranger pack your bag with pretty much generic gear for a multi-day hike, what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? And if you got a particular brand for that specific piece of gear, even better. So Blaze, what is your must-bring piece of gear? And dare I ask, is it going to be medically related?
2: No, it's not. Okay. All right. But it is sleep-related because I went a fair amount of the trail without a pillow, just... Like assuming I could wad stuff up and put it under my head and then I got what, like a three ounce pillow and I'll just, anybody who hikes without a pillow is just crazy in my head now. So I absolutely would not go out without a pillow.
1: (laughs) I totally and wholeheartedly agree. I I tried the stuff sack full of, you know, extra clothes or the, the jacket, the puffy jacket, and it's not the same it's not the same as a pillow as, as an inflatable pillow and it's not, it's not that much weight. I think that is a, a an excellent recommendation.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, and especially when you get a cold night and you're wearing all of your clothes and now suddenly you're cold and pillowless, that's just, you got to prevent that.
1: <laughs> that's right. And do you, in addition to kind of hovering about the trail and following the trail and providing medical assistance, do you also do some of your own backpacking out there?
2: So I haven't much this summer, mostly because it's kind of a learning year and feeling it out. So I've been just essentially available every day since I started in the end of March. Um, I get out on a little bit of day hikes, but I do have my dog with me. So it kind of depends. Like right now we're not hiking. It's way too hot. But when we got to the Sierra section, we were able to do some mountain backs and get to some like nice lakes. And that was such a nice little break, but yeah. I'm looking for the fall to be my, my hiking season.
1: Okay. And you, you have a dog already. You mentioned, you know, naming a name for your future dog, but you already have a dog. What kind of dog do you I have? I do.
2: Yeah. So I have a golden retriever. She is very popular on trail. Most, a lot of people know her like better than me in some cases. So she, uh, and her, her trail name is uh, bridge troll. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Which she got from Scissors Crossing when we were underneath the bridge helping some hikers, and she would just run around and bark every time a new hiker came down because she wanted to say hello. Um, so she's aptly named Bridge Troll since then.
1: Okay, Bridge Troll. What is her What is her non trail name? Honey. Honey. So mm-hmm. are you so going to get another dog called Honey?
2: No, no, no. So she is Honey.
1: She is, honey. Did I misinterpret? Did I miss? Did I mishear your earlier statement?
2: I must have. Yeah. So I got her right after I got done with trail in nineteen. I had a dog leading up to trail who passed away like in November, and then Mm -hmm. obviously didn't get a dog between then and starting the trail in April, and so I spent like five months kind of grieving that dog and looking forward to my next dog and that's where i would just yell random dog names into the woods until one felt right and I landed on honey
1: <laughs> nice i like that that uh, you're out there yelling random dog names <laughs> into the wilderness and, and and kind of judging what feels right what feels what feels like it sticks and you came it came to honey
2: yeah so and now she's been my sad kick since i got her in December of 19. And she's a big part of this whole trail season for
1: me. So, you know, we lost our dog last year as well. So maybe I'll do this at work. You know, I'll just start yelling out dog names and uh, see what <laughs> sticks. Yeah, They'll probably yeah. funny though.
2: I mean, you could add a segment to the podcast, like what dog name are you tossing up right now and
1: then see how oh. <laughs> I like that. A new segment for the, for the podcast. All right, what, what was, okay. So honey obviously was your favorite. What was your second favorite?
2: I was pretty close to naming her poppy, um, mostly because of like the poppy flowers all through the desert. And it just felt like a nice like trail association. And it's like cute and fun to say. Mm -hmm. Um, But ultimately, she had a little spell where she worked with me in a senior living. And so I felt like honey was the right name for a dog working in a senior living because it's like sweet. People kind of say it intuitively. And I don't know it, it fits her.
1: So it sounds like you are of the camp that dog names should be a little different than human names. Our dog's name was Peter.
2: I mean, I've met dogs named like George and, and I love that. So.
1: <laughs> yeah. We would talk about Peter and people be, you know, people who didn't know Peter would, would be like, what is going on here? Why was, why was, why was Peter rolling around on the grass? What was going on? Yeah. So <laughs> like,
2: Peter, okay. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly.
2: It's the hiking pole.
1: All right. Hey, our next segment is something I call the hiking pole. And it's spelled P-O-L-L, like a survey, not not P-O-L-E like the the, the thing you you hold in your hand while you're hiking. Mm-hmm. And this is this is a seven question survey. And and go ahead and confirm with me. You have not seen these questions. You don't know what these questions are gonna be.
2: No idea. Little nervous. <laughs> no idea. Good.
1: That's that's where I like my, my guest to be, just slightly nervous. This is a seven question poll that's gonna help me give you a score on the sanity sanity scale. It's gonna help me understand who I'm dealing with tonight. All right. All right. So it's it's zero to hundred. Zero, you're completely bonkers. One hundred, you're completely sane. Nobody has scored a zero or a one hundred. So you're everybody's kind of somewhere in the middle. And I, I I wanna find out where you are. All right. <laughs> All right. And you would think from the from the title, Hiking Poll, that it would be related to hiking, but it's not. I, I've changed <laughs> it up a little bit. We're, we're talking about some of the big questions facing our society today. All right. All right. I mean, um, we, we could literally devote uh, probably an entire episode to one or two of these questions.
2: I bet. I'm excited now.
1: <laughs> okay. All right. Now, before before we start down this path, if someone were to ask you or if I were to ask one of your friends, how would you score Blaze on a, a, a scale of one to, 1 to 100 in terms of her level of sanity? What, what would be the typical response, do you think?
2: <laughs> I mean, I live in a van, so that knocks off some sanity. Um, I'm going to go with, so like is 100 most sane or least sane?
1: Most, most sane.
2: Most sane. I feel like I'm at like a 50
1: somewhere in the middle oh wow you're you're right smack dab in the middle <laughs> i mean you have you have some days where you you're pretty coherent and you have other days where like holy cow what's going on
2: yeah i'm just enough chaos to probably keep it interesting in my life
1: so <laughs> okay all right you know i always told my son to to look out and and find a girl that was just a little bit crazy because it, it just keeps keeps life interesting That's true. like like you did right dad and you know my my, my wife at that that point would give me a give me a slug in the arm so <laughs> all right here we go question number one hiking pole do you sleep with your socks on and I'm not talking about hiking I'm just talking about in regular life sometimes oh, there's, a, there's there is a lot of deliberation here If you are yeah. listening to this and you're not watching <laughs> this on YouTube she looked up into the sky or, or to the ceiling and was she's considering this uh, pretty hard here
2: you know, I wouldn't say I do it on purpose, but it does sometimes happen if I'm just tired and it's cold. Because remember, being camping and being in a van are both non-climate controlled situations and also borderline a little bit dirty. So I don't know. I feel like I've, it, it could go either way. As a rule, no. But it happens.
1: Okay. All right. Now, just to be clear, there, there are no right or wrong answers. This is completely uh, uh, subjective based on my opinion and and, and whether (laughs) how how far away you, you veer, you veer away from my opinion on the matter, but you know, I like explanation. If you have a good explanation for it, I mean that, that that counts in your favor.
2: Okay. Good.
1: (laughs) Okay. Second question. This is one of those really big ones. You ready? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Does pineapple belong on pizza?
2: Absolutely. It does.
1: Okay. That (laughs) that is a great answer. No point deduction there. You're spot on. That's correct. (laughs) It does. Now, when you get pineapple on your pizza, what else do you get with your pineapple? Do you go the standard pineapple and ham or Canadian bacon?
2: That would be good. I feel like you could also have like chicken or mushrooms and spinach. All of those are acceptable. I don't really like peppers, so I think peppers would be normal, but I'm not into peppers, so.
1: Okay. Yeah. We, we had, uh, recently we had, uh, pineapple ham and jalapenos and that was really good, but you don't sound like you're, you're, uh, into the spice.
2: I'm not into the spice
1: now. Okay. All right. Next question. Question number three, do you roll your toilet paper over or under?
2: Well, I would say over, although I don't have a toilet paper holder in the van. So This isn't something I deliberately do very often.
1: (laughs) Okay. You don't sound like you have a very strong opinion one way or the other.
2: No, no. If it was either way, it would still come off the roll. So I feel like it's
1: fine. It's fine. Okay. You know, I've had some people on, on the podcast who, you know, it has to come over and they're, (laughs) they're so dead set on that, that, you know, the follow-up question is if you're at a friend's house and you're sitting on the throne (laughs) and it's going under, what do you do? And, you know, some people will say, well, I just live with it. I mean, it's their house. And others say that, you know, they fix the situation for them. They, 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 they flip it.
2: See, I saw once that there is a bit of a conspiracy that toilet paper companies want you to put it over because you'll use more toilet paper. So really, you should go under so you don't use more toilet paper. And that, I think, has conflicted me on the matter ever since.
1: Wow. I love a good conspiracy theory. Why, <laughs> why is it? Why is it that you would use more if it comes over rather than under?
2: Gravity that just would pull off better. You get a better leverage. You
1: think there's more spin afterwards?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, think I, I, guess, I guess I guess you could be pretty in.
1: aggressive, right? And and just yeah. you know rip it and. Yeah,
2: unless you're my dad, who swears that four sheets is enough no matter the circumstance, which makes me think he would he would fail this insanity
1: test. Oh, you know what? You you <laughs> have just struck upon a, a story from my childhood. <laughs> My stepfather, who was in the army, swore I, I think he's making this up, but he swore by this story that uh, one, one day when he was on the army base uh, that supplies were running low and so the the um procurement officer I don't, the supply guy, I don't know who, but uh, <laughs> you know they 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 gave instructions that we had to ration toilet paper. And so you had to take oh. a single square. Every, every soldier got a single square per bathroom visit. Oh. And oh. so they would, you, would, you would fold it in half one way, and then you'd fold it in half the other way, right? And then you would go to the inside corner, go to the corner, and you'd tear that corner off, and you would set it aside. And then you would open up the toilet paper, and there's a hole in the middle because you've torn off that corner, right? And uh, you would put your finger, I- your middle finger through the hole. You would wipe yourself. And then you'd use the toilet paper to wipe your finger off. Oh and, then, that, oh, and then you would take you would take the little corner that you had torn off, and you pick that up, and then you use that corner to clean under your nail.
2: You know, at least they're cleaning under the nail. I feel like there's people who use a lot of toilet paper that might not be quite that clean. So, yeah.
1: Now he it always told that story. Thing. He always told that story with a little bit of a smirk, and so <laughs> I was never sure if this was. Truth or if he was pulling our legs so it's it's a mystery if anybody has confirmation out there that this was a a true practice in the military when they ran low on toilet paper you know let let us know okay, so that was a little sidetracked there that had no bearing on on the uh, on the pole whatsoever but uh here we go uh Very question. <laughs> Go ahead. What'd you say, please
2: I said, it's very important though. I'm totally yeah.
1: Perfect. Oh yeah. <laughs> these, these, these side, these side trails are, are always uh, some of the best stories. So, yeah. all right. Question number four, there is a little, um, I guess it's not little. There, there are animated pictures out there, li- pictures that are animated little videos and they, they are spelled G I F. How do you pronounce G I F? GIF. Yes. GIF with a hard G.
2: Yes. Not JIF. Not GIF.
1: Not JIF. Not GIF. 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 Are you sure I'm like
2: it's like gift, but you took the T off, right? <laughs> it's
1: like a little tiny present for you. Here, here here's a, here's a here's a little video. It's a tiny present. It's a Not gif. Not a gift, but a gift. Just
2: too lazy for the T. <laughs>
1: yeah. Got it. Okay. Next Is that question. Right? I'm I'm going to go with that. I think that, I think that's right. I think GIF is a peanut butter. I think, I think GIF is the little animated video. That. All yeah. right. <laughs> okay. I think I know the answer to the next question based on your previous comments, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Cats or dogs?
2: Ah, dogs. Yeah.
1: <laughs> what is it about dogs that uh, makes it, makes that question so easy to answer for you?
2: They're just so happy to see you and everybody and they're just so stoked about all things all the time it's such a great energy to bring into the room
1: yeah cats cats are kind of aloof right you walk in and and the cat really has very little reaction to you cats kind of do their own things but dogs i mean they are they're enthusiastic when you show up
2: yes yeah and is it having a dog that does literally everything with me her stoke level for the monotony is just refreshing because to me it's not like exciting to just walk down some like dirty alleyway just for the sake of taking a walk but she finds a stick and has a party and that makes it fun Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) now is what was honey's trail name again
2: bridge troll Troll.
1: bridge troll bridge troll is Mm -hmm. bridge troll in the in the room with you
2: Oh, yeah. I
1: can probably hand down here with the camera. Oh, oh yeah. She's sideways. Can see her
2: okay. Yeah.
1: He is sideways. Nice.
2: She's been snoozing hard since we got in here with the AC. She's, she's having a, a zero day, as we would
1: say. <laughs> Very good. Now, dogs don't sweat, so they pant a lot when it's hot.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: She, she is not panting right now. She is sideways and just relaxing, soaking up the chill.
2: She is cool and collected, and whenever we're in the hot days, she has to wear like booties so we can walk around without frying her paws. And I keep like a little spray bottle to spritz her with. <laughs> we have to pull out all the all the guns to keep her cool. So
1: that is a great dog, mom. Nice job. <laughs> all right, question number six: Do you use the Oxford comma? Yes. Oh, no hesitation. Yeah. A a definitive yes. Yes. Yeah. Totally agree. I mean, without the Oxford comma, I mean, the world just descends into chaos. I mean, what, what, what's going on?
2: Agreed. Yeah. Too many run-ons. We can't deal with that. We have enough going
1: on. (laughs) That's right. Use the appropriate punctuation. Yes. All right. Question number seven. You're doing well so far. Only, only a few, (laughs) uh, only a few deductions. You're doing doing just fine. Is, (laughs) A hot dog, a sandwich.
2: I mean, maybe unpopular opinion. I think hot dogs are gross. So I don't know if I qualify them as anything, but I'm going to go with yes. It's in bread. So it's a sandwich.
1: Okay. So the definition of sandwich is meat between some bread.
2: I think anything between two pieces of bread is a sandwich.
1: Okay. Like a cheese sandwich, grilled cheese sandwich. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, one time on trail, I put stuffing like cold soaked stuffing in a wrap and I qualified that as just a bread sandwich. So
1: <laughs> a, a, a bread sandwich. Okay. Yeah. it's <laughs> kind of redundant, isn't it?
2: It is a little bit, but it was all I had left. And it actually it's surprisingly very good. So not saying I would go do it again, but you might, you might try it.
1: In that moment, it worked. <laughs> All right. Hey, let me do some quick math here to, to arrive at your sanity score. Uh, so I have to carry the three. We're going to divide by pi. Got to multiply that by root five. And then in your honor, Dr. Brosnahan, we need to adjust for the blood pressure of someone suffering from extreme dehydration. And I arrive at a score of 78. Hey, I'll take it. That's that's much higher than the 50. I was, I was, you know, from your, your earlier prediction, I was expecting some, some rather bizarre answers, but you, you did pretty well.
2: Yeah. Yeah. This, these are the normalcy things for me.
1: (laughs) Okay. I I guess there's, there's probably some questions out there that had I asked you, uh, you may, you may have gone a little bit lower on the scale. So we just haven't come upon those yet.
2: Yeah. You got the right ones.
1: (laughs) Okay. Well, just just be advised that your score can lower throughout the episode, depending on how this goes. So,
2: amazing. <laughs>
1: okay. All right. Hey, let's let's back up a little bit before we get too far down the trail. Let's let's hear about where you grew up, uh, what kinds of sports and hobbies you were involved in, and how did you get involved in the thru hiking cult? Because I mean, if you're a doctor out there, kind of following the bubble of thru hikers, I mean that you're pretty involved in trail life, and so I, I, we would love to hear the story of how blaze got started
2: sure so i'm from maryland um and i went to high school all through maryland and i just did like the normal like small rural town sports like i played basketball soccer track tennis all the things um pretty big into basketball i went to a small college and played um all through and then i went to grad school in pittsburgh Um, at Chatham and that's where I got my PT degree Um, and then while I was in grad school uh, I got my first dog Tucker and Tucker and I did a lot of hiking and that sort of started pulling me into like the outdoor world a lot more Um, and just needing a break from like the the rigorous nature of PT school so it was like a great like way to reset between like the exams and stuff like that. Um, so I got into like some low-key backpacking, um, started having friends that backpacked. So that made for like bigger trips. Um, and then I, because I grew up in Maryland, I always knew about the AT and I kind of had it like in the back of my mind is like, that sounds cool. It sounds like something I'd want to explore. Um, and then going down the rabbit hole through hiking, I came across the PCT and I thought that seemed way cooler than the AT in terms of like terrain and like love the west coast as a whole so decided to make that i did the well i did the long trail so i gave the east coast a solid effort and did the long trail first uh, which i did love it was a great like intro to longer distance backpacking <clears throat> but i did fall more times on the three weeks I was on the long trail than the five months I was on the PCT. So I'm still giving big points to the West coast for not having so many rocks, roots and slippery things. Um, yeah. And then that got me once I was out here, it just kind of, now I'm in once you start to through hike and you start meeting the people, I think everybody gets pretty sucked in pretty quick.
1: That's great. I've got a few que- few follow-up questions on on that little backstory of yours. Uh, number one, basketball. What position did you play?
2: So, oddly enough, at 5'7", I was one of the taller players on my team, so I mostly played guard, but I had uh, my specialty was kind of like the person who could bring the ball down the floor, pass it off, and then run down and post up a small guard. And so I sort of was a little all over, but primarily like backup point guard and just like shooting guard.
1: Okay. And what where did you play college basketball?
2: So I played at this small school in Pennsylvania called Mount Aloysius. Um, yeah, I was just all basketball was my main priority. And so I just picked a school that was two hours from home. So my parents could catch the games and I got like a nice academic scholarship that certainly didn't cover the whole thing but it, it made it more affordable and got to play made some great friends wasn't necessarily seeking a catholic college but I really love nuns so that was great they're like some of the best like most progressive and wonderful women I've met in my like adult life so that was like a cool side experience to going to a school like that
1: You know, when I woke up this morning and I was thinking about this interview, some of the words that I thought I I didn't think I would hear this this evening is that, you know, I really love nuns. I mean, that's just that's great.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, one nun in particular, I don't know if she's a podcast listener, but her name was Sister Eric Murray. And she came to our basketball games and I mean, she would like root hard for us and like. We had a little turmoil with like the coaching situation. And I mean, she was like, girls, if you need anything, I mean, they're just, they were the best. <laughs>
1: <laughs> she sounds like she was hardcore. That's awesome.
2: Yeah.
1: it's <laughs> awesome. Now, how was, how was college basketball life? I mean, were you able to balance your studies and uh, the sport and traveling and all that good stuff?
2: Yeah, it definitely made things, you had to be a little more on top of your scheduling um, to be able to do both. But I kind of think, I mean, I'm somebody who I just say thrives in chaos. So if I don't have almost too much to do, then I'm not as efficient. So I think it really helped me in a lot of ways going through school. Um, but it was great. I mean, I made some of my best friends were my teammates. And um, the like the experience of actually playing wasn't as good as like high school. We had a really like just an amazing group. We went to States and like, we had this huge community following. Like when we went to States, the, it was in Baltimore. So like three hours from home and the stands were packed with people from our little town. Um, And we had like radio follow ups and stuff. And like, that's the last time I remember doing interviews. Like this was when I was 18 playing basketball. And so high school would just set the bar so high with that kind of support. And then in college, there'll be like 15 people in the stands, you know, you're really just playing. because You love the game, but nobody really cares anymore that you're still playing. So it was different. Nice. I, would, I think I would do it again. I think I would do it again.
1: <laughs> okay. And what, what did you, what did you major in at St. Aloysius?
2: So I actually, I started undecided because I was a very firm believer that, 18 year olds don't know what they want to do and we shouldn't like just pick something at random. So I was like, well, I'll just start knocking out gen eds. And then, um, I decided to declare business because I decided that I, I certainly wanted to be my own boss at some point. Like I couldn't imagine just working for someone else my whole life. My parents run businesses. I see the, I see what it looks like when you can put a passion into a project and also be in control of your schedule, to a degree um, so that's all I kind of knew and then I got towards sophomore year and I was like well what business am I going to run like <laughs> you know I don't want to make a product and I don't have a skill so like how can I run a business like you can't just say business it didn't it started to not make sense and then uh, my grandpa who I'm very close with had um, an accident, he slipped on the ice and hit his head. Uh, he ended up being fine from this. Um, but I went and just felt like I needed to go visit him. So I drove three hours to see him in the hospital. And whenever I was there, the PT came and just had me like push the chair as she walked him down the hall. And I was just kind of like, oh, you've helped older people. I want to do that. I want to help them move. And so I like went back and just got in the rabbit hole for like two days went to my advisors, and I was like, I want to go to PT school. And I didn't get a lot of support initially, I wasn't talking to the right people. um, Because you don't need to go to undergrad for PT as a pre PT, or like as bio or something like that, you just need to get a certain amount of prerequisites to be able to go to PT school. And I still had two years to knock those out. And I had some and so I, but I, but it was weird. Nobody was doing that. Everyone else took the PT path. They already knew who their PT students were going to be. And so I didn't get a lot of support until I found the right advisor and started getting in the science classes and then knocked down my prereqs and then was able to go to PT school. And so I have my doctorate in PT and my undergrad in business.
1: Nice, which is a good, a good, a good match for what you're doing now, I'd have to imagine.
2: Yeah, I feel like if I could go back and talk to my sophomore college self and be like, this does work out in the end. That would be really great to hear.
1: <laughs> Wouldn't that be great to get some assurance from your future self that hey, this was the right decision or hey, don't worry about that mistake. It's not going to be a big deal in the end.
2: Yeah, exactly. Cuz here I am like advocating against the professionals that that you know, this is fine. People can do business school and then PT school. It makes total sense and you know, just getting a lot of sideways looks and then, you know, coming together to have my own PT practice within, you know, five years of being a PT. And I'm just kind of like, yeah, you know, yeah.
1: Yeah. And I'm always, I'm always intrigued by kind of, kind of how a life experience will, will shift your whole perspective or give you some direction. Uh, Mm you know, you, you gave the example of your grandfather and and getting injured and, and, and seeing the, the physical therapist and that kind of setting you on that path. My, my oldest daughter had a very similar experience. I mean, she had a soccer injury in high school and she had to go through a lot of, uh, medical issues with her ankle. And, um, from from that experience, and interacting with the people that she did during those experiences, she decided to become a nurse. And so she's now a labor, and she doesn't work with ankles, but she's a labor and delivery nurse, which you know she loves. So it's interesting how you know everything can just shift on a a, a particular dime and you just have to be open to that.
2: Definitely. And I remember even when I was, when I was in school and still undecided and seeing everybody else declaring their career paths, I would get like almost annoyed at hearing about aha moments and stuff like that. Cause I'm like, yeah, sure. And then it happened. And then I was almost like annoyed at myself for being annoyed. So I'm like, you should have trusted the process here. Cause then boom, I was lucky to have that moment. And I mean, some people, you know, have gone into the field and burnout is kind of a high thing, but I mean, I've just loved it. Like I've worked in a bunch of settings and it's just, I feel like there's endless opportunities and it just, I just, I'm always so grateful. And my pap was always very proud of himself because he would, any therapist he had then in the future in home health or anything, he would be like, you know, my granddaughter's a PT because of me. And so that just melted my heart. So
1: that's great. That's great. Now, you've said a couple times in the interview already about going down rabbit holes. And mm-hmm. I have a theory. I have a theory about the thru-hiking community. And that is that uh, the thru-hiking community, the activity kind of lends itself to obsessive uh, personalities, people who go down rabbit holes, people who yeah. love to do their research and just get hooked on a subject and, and won't let go. You think that applies to you?
2: Yeah. I mean, definitely. (laughs) Yeah. That's how I picked my, my major, my career through hiking. Yeah,
1: definitely. Okay. Now you mentioned that you, you grew up on the East coast, you were in Maryland and you were kind of aware of the AT. I also like to talk to people about that moment when they, they first realized that, uh, there are long trails out there that are in excess of 2000 miles that go from say Georgia to Maine or go from the Mexican border to the Canadian border. (laughs) <laughs> and do you remember the moment that you, you realized that, that such a thing existed?
2: I do, because um, there was a girl whenever I I would say I was in middle school or high school. Um, it was a while ago, but someone from my town hiked the AT. And I remember everyone just talking about this girl. And they're like, oh, she's walking this distance. And, and at that time, I thought she was like the only person that's ever done this, you know, like I didn't know anything about the trail. And I'm like, wow, this girl sounds cool. And not that she's any less cool because other people do it, but it, I mean, it resonated. And then, you know, you, that kind of, it plants a really non-specific seed, I think of, Hey, people do cool things and, you know, whether, I don't know that fruit hiking was planted at that point, but it was just like sort of that inspiration to do non-traditional things in a big way. And then after I got into backpacking and started doing multi-day trips, um, I don't know. It just it just felt so so spot on to want to do a through hike. Like like I didn't have like a big reason to want to hike it in the sense of some people like hike to walk through things, some people hike to prove to themselves they can. For me, it was just like this exists, so I should do it.
1: (laughs) Nice. And I love that concept of planting a seed because I've talked to so many people who they've they've heard about something and it just kind of germinated. In their in their mind for years, and mm-hmm. finally they found themselves, you know, heading down that path and doing it. And it's just, uh, it's very powerful to hear about a concept like that, and and it burrows into you and kind of gets under your skin, and then you finally have to do something about it.
2: Yeah, and I mean, people talk a lot about the wild effect, like reading the book Wild and the movie. I personally didn't see the movie or read the book before doing the trail but I do think it's so cool how one person's book has inspired because then you know the things the trail leads to for people like you know the creative missions that come after they've hiked the change in their person like just all of it everything that is a through hike thinking about one person being responsible for inspiring so many people to do that is so cool. Like, I hope she knows how cool that is.
1: <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. Now, you, you did mention that um, the PCT or out west seem to have less rocks, and you're appreciative of that. But I, <laughs> I can I can attest to the fact that there are rocks on the PCT and uh, in the Sierras on, on the JMT, because I think I've kicked every single one of them. So yeah,
2: <laughs> there are rocks, but they're not wet. They're not like as wet, at least. Because on the long trail, I would take a step and like you, you knew some steps were questionable, right? Like you're looking at this muddy, slippery rock and you're like, okay, I'm going to be really delicate with my footing, but then you would take what you would think is a sure step and then just you'd be on your butt so fast. And so it's like, maybe those rocks just betrayed me a little bit more than the the West Coast rocks, but I'm still kind of holding a grudge. <laughs>
1: Now, Blaze, I'm always on the lookout during the episode for the title of the episode, and I think we may have just stumbled—pun intended—stumbled <laughs> across it. Uh, some steps are questionable. I think that applies to hikes as well yeah. as as well as life decisions.
2: Yeah, I like that.
1: <laughs> some steps are questionable. Dash yep. Morgan, Blaze Brosnahan. <laughs> Perfect.
2: I like that. Yeah.
1: Perfect. Okay.
2: That feels like actually a good mantra for just all of through hiking in life. <laughs> yes.
1: Now, when you're not out supporting hikers on the trail, what, what are you doing to pay the bills? Do you have a regular practice set up somewhere or how does that work?
2: So this is the first year that I've done Blaze Physio. So it's still my off season will be my first off season. Um, but prior to coming out here, I've done travel assignments. So you take like. Free month contracts wherever you're needed um, and just go work there full time until your contract is up. Um, This off season, I'm I'm tentatively planning to go back to Maryland to my family's house, visit with my little nephews, take, take my oldest nephew on his first backpacking trip, which I'm very much looking forward to. And um, I pick up work whenever I go home for any amount of time at the hospital. Um, they kind of always need help in like a small town setting. So, um, and I got a new van. Um, so I'll be the primary purpose of going home is to sell my current van and build out the new one. So I'm, I'm going to lot like three months for that. Um, you know, pick up at the hospital a little bit and then there will still be some hikers on trail whenever I go. So hopefully I'll still get some telehealth calls from anybody who needs it, um, and then after the Vans built, I'm gonna to go to Florida and take a little contract there before heading out to Campo. I'm like not a big fan of snow, so I'm just chasing good weather in the winter essentially. Um, but my hope that my hope is that this is my only off season, and that by next year I'll have enough. Um, off-season work, helping people get prepared for trail, overcome injuries that might be in their way before they even get out there, Um, start making some like help yourself programs and um, just doing a little bit of mobile therapy kind of in different communities um, as I go. So that's the long-term off-season plan. But this year, the big focus is building my band.
1: Got it. That's fantastic. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to hear a little bit more from Blaze about van life, about uh, sounds like you're on the PCT. Have you done the PCT? Yes. OK, we'll yeah. talk about her PCT. <laughs> hike. We'll talk about the long trail and we're going to hear some stories from some of the uh, the hikers she's worked with. So stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going, knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. Six Moon Designs has been innovating ultralight backpacking gear for the past 20 years. And welcome back. We are talking to Dr. Morgan Blaise Brosnahan and, uh, had a, that was a very fun first segment. I uh, did a great job, but now we want to hear a little bit about some of your hiking experience. Uh, what, what year did you do the PCT? I
2: did it in 2019.
1: Okay. 2019 before the pandemic
2: mm-hmm. was it, was it... big snow year,
1: big snow year. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, was it crowded out there?
2: You know, in the desert section, it definitely was, um, there were, there were spots where it was like, Oh, I don't think I'm going to pee without an audience. Um, but after, because it was such a high snow year, there was a ton of flipping. Um, and we were part of the people who flipped. We, we deemed ourselves no snowbows. Um, so basically whatever to avoid the, like Need for an ice axe, and once the the flipping and the logistics started to get kind of complicated for a lot of people, the numbers went down pretty significantly.
1: Yeah, and some people out there might be listening who maybe don't have uh, American Long Trail experience and think, "Well, what's the difference with you know hiking in snow?" It sounds like that—that'd be fun. Hiking in snow is not fun. No, (laughs) It it is. It is a chore. It is laborious. It is painful at times, and it's exhausting. I mean, your your rate of speed goes way down and snow.
2: Yeah. We looked at it like, like the people who did go straight through and I mean, hats off to them because they've been through something very special and unique. Um, just not a level of stuff where I was willing to do, but I mean, the amount of time it took them to go through that section, put most of them almost in hairy situations by the time they finally got to Washington versus we were able to go so much faster without I mean, we had a little hold up just looking for like snow free trail, but once we were able to finally get to the northern terminus and just hike south to, to be a normal flip flop, I mean, we were able to just cruise and I never had to worry about like slipping down a mountain and self arresting because in my head, I was like, well, I could learn how to self arrest. But then what happens after you've self-arrested and you're 20 feet down on the side of a mountain holding on to it? Like you have to get up from there. So that was always the part that was like a no for me.
1: <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a good decision. Now you you said you said we a couple of times there. Did you did you start off the PCT with a friend or friends, or did you show up solo and pick up friends along the way?
2: Yeah, so I actually started with a group of four um two of them left were all the flipping started happening it just gets expensive and logistics and then um, the one other girl and I we just decided at that point we had hiked kind of loosely together the whole time and we we're getting along well and we were like do you want to just stick together you know we're going to be doing a different style of hike there may not be other people um like are we in this and we just it was like a definitive yes. And I call her just like my adventure soulmate because we just had the best time hiking together. We were always on the same page with Steph. Um, We pitched our tent like three inches from each other a lot when there'd be like one campsite and we were just, you know, made it work for two tents. And uh, yeah, I mean, we just had a lot of fun sticking together. So
1: now when your tent is three inches from somebody else, I mean, there are no secrets.
2: Yeah, she snores, and that's not a secret, um, <laughs> uh, but it was fun. There was one night in, uh, it was, like, northern northern California, southern Oregon, somewhere in there. There is, like, a small wolf pack in that area, um, and this was the one night that there was a big enough field to camp in that I was, her name was Tweak, my hiking partner, and I was, like, Tweak. Set your tent up over there. Like, I can't listen to you snore tonight. You have to get away from me. And so we were like, for the first time in many nights, like pretty far apart. And that night I heard wolves howling, and nobody was near me to wake up and be like, Do you hear this? And and, and I, I'm looking at her tent. I, I can still hear her snoring, but I can't get her attention to be like, You've got to hear this. This is never going to happen again. <laughs> and then nothing. So I just laid there thinking I was probably going to die and nobody was going to know what happened and betrayed by wild dogs.
1: <laughs> yeah. Be careful what you ask for, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So after that, I didn't tell her she had to camp on the other side of the field anymore because you never know.
1: <laughs> nice. Now, what, uh, what were the the details on your hike? When did you leave? When did you finish?
2: So we started, I think we were April 14th. It was either the 13th or the 14th. And then um, we got to Kennedy Meadows June 3rd, which is significant only in the sense that there was 20 feet of snow in the Sierras still. So um, a very different situation than what they had June 3rd in Kennedy Meadows this year. And then we went up and. Yeah,
1: typically, typically, I mean, on, on an average year, the, the, the Sierra entry date is, is like June 15th. Mm -hmm. so you were June 3rd on a heavy snow year. I mean, that, uh, that's, that's pretty intimidating.
2: Yeah, it wasn't great. Um, so we decided pretty unanimously, like we're not doing that. And then, um, we were going to just leapfrog it. So go up to Northern California and then hike North. Um, and then on our way North, we went to like old station. And then I think we went as far as like crater Lake, um, and then we had hitched into Bend for the 4th of July. Um, and Tweak had the misfortune of when we were camping with some friends, just watching the fireworks, she had flip-flops on and kicked along and ripped off her toenail. So we, she, she was being a little bit too optimistic on how that toenail felt. And we hitched back to Crater Lake and we walked about 30 feet and she started crying and said, my hike's over, my foot hurts so bad, I can't walk on this. we were just getting swarmed by mosquitoes and I'm like the hike's not over but we can't sit here and cry because we're getting eaten by mosquitoes so we we went back out to the road and then we met um these two 70 year old peak baggers who ended up being like the biggest key players in our whole hike because they I asked them very nonchalantly like oh are you hiking the PCT like knowing that they weren't and they were like, no, you know, we're, you know, just wrapping up peak Bang. We're headed to our car. And I asked if they had a car, if that meant they could take us to a gas station so we could get off of the side of the trail with her, her foot and being swarmed by mosquitoes. And then they let us know that they were actually headed to Vancouver, Washington. And so we just took that as a sign that now being July, it was time to just go to the northern terminus and just do a normal flip flop and hike south. Um, And so they hosted us for like three days. Um, Their dad was 99 and, or no, he was 104. When we met him, he had summited Mount St. Helens at 99. So just like the coolest family of hikers that are doing something not even remotely like through hiking, but so cool in its own right with all the peak bagging lists. And then, then we, from there, got a ride to the Terminus in July, and then we were able to hike straight south, and we finished around, like, September 26th. Um, So it was, like, convoluted, but in in so many of the best ways, because I can't imagine not meeting those people, because they were so significant, and we just knew them for, like, four days, and they weren't normal trail angels. They just, they were just there and helped us.
1: What what a magical interaction that was.
2: Right. Oh, so good.
1: <laughs> now, what, what did your family and, and your pap in particular, what what did they think of you doing the PCT? They think you're off the rocker, or were they, they supportive?
2: My pap or both was of the, the depression generation. So he couldn't understand not working. Um that did that just didn't bode well for him. He was just like, What do you mean you're not working for five months? And I'm like, I mean. Yeah, I get that. And then he, uh, but I would call him sometimes while walking and he would kind of understand it. And I showed him my photos when I was done. And the biggest thing I remember is he told me to, to suck on a pebble if my mouth was dry and I didn't have enough water. Cause that's what he did in the military. Um, so a bunch of us were like popping rocks in our mouth because of my pap. And then, uh, my parents, they, uh, my mom actually watched a lot of Dixie's videos, um, I'm sure you've heard of Dixie the the super popular YouTuber um which I thought was great because it just it helped her understand trail culture and what exactly we were doing so you know thanks to Dixie for for putting those together because my mom really benefited but yeah they were just there was one point in the hike where you know things got a little sideways and and it would have made sense to quit. And my dad was like, you can't quit. You've got this. When my mom was like, oh, baby, come home, you know? <laughs> so, but they overall are just supportive and wonderful with all my random endeavors.
1: That's great. Now you have to tell us, did the, did the sucking on the pebble, did it work?
2: It does work. Um, yeah, i found the right pebble though. It's gotta be like smooth and not too porous, not too dirty, you know?
1: <laughs> you don't want to put it like a skipping stone in your mouth.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Not quite that big. (laughs) Yeah,
1: Got it. it. Now, did you also do the long trail before the PCT or was the PCT your first through hike?
2: So I did the long trail before the PCT. Um, It was in the fall. So like September, like late September to mid-October, I think was the dates. So the idea was that we would get fall leaves Mm -hmm. and instead we just got rain like a, just a bunch of rain.
1: <laughs> yeah. And if you can get comfortable hiking in the rain, I mean, you can get comfortable with pretty much anything. Cause that, that, that is, you know, it's not that, that pleasant of an experience toughens you up.
2: Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was like cold and my sleeping bag failed. Like I had, I had this quilt that it separated so much that I couldn't resituate the down. And thankfully at the point, at that point I had my dog, so he was keeping me warm. Um, but it was, I felt like after the long trail, as beautiful as it was and as absolutely terrible as it was, when I finished, I still really liked backpacking. So I was like, PCT is gonna be great.
1: <laughs> That's right. Now, uh, before we get to some of the the stories of medical horrors on the trail. Um, let's, let's just spend a quick minute on van life. How, what, what inspired you to try van life and how's it going?
2: It's great. So I've been doing it, um, it's pretty much since 2018. Um, I moved into it once my lease ran up from my grad school apartment. Uh, so I had it in, in Pittsburgh was my initiation to van life. I did my first month, like in a city, um, but it was easy enough because I had so many friends and like workplaces there. So in terms of like being able to go inside and fill water, all of that was super easy. Um, and then after the long trail, I went to uh, Oregon. I was out on the coast for an assignment living in it. And so I've been in Arizona with it. Um, and it's in general been good. I take little breaks here and there for like a month to go visit home. And I think. I think with van life, one of the most important things is to not be super rigid on confining yourself to the van if you need a break. So like the little month I'll take off and, and visit home or like one time I got an Airbnb for a month, like those things are just important to make it sustainable in my opinion. But um, yeah, I mean, it's been, I, I saw somebody, um, I can't even remember who's, I think REI posted some picture of somebody living in a van in the desert or something. And I was just like, people live in vans. And then as soon as I got down that rabbit hole, I was like, well, I'm going to live in a van. So, like two days later, I'm looking at used vans on the internet. So things just snowballed from there.
1: <laughs> I love it. You need to be careful of what you're listening to or what you're watching because you never know what the next rabbit hole is going to be for you.
2: Yeah, I'm pretty quickly influenced to make really big life decisions, but.
1: <laughs> well, I'm, I'm hoping your next rabbit hole is, man, this, this John freaking Muir pod, this is something. I need, I need to listen to all the episodes.
2: <laughs> I mean, I probably will, except for this one. I don't think I want to hear myself talk. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now, um, what, there are a couple of questions that always come to mind when we're talking about van life. And you probably get you probably get these questions. What, what do you do in terms of you know bathroom and shower?
2: So, I just made the upgrade to a nature's head composting toilet in my last round of van renovations. So, I had traditionally been in the van and either been camping and not working for a little bit or on an assignment or going to work. Um, so, in both of those situations, it was super easy to mitigate like bathroom and shower use. Um, and now with this, I knew I needed to be totally self-reliant, like, because I just didn't know what my situation was going to be out here in terms of if I'd be in town or out on trail or, you know, what my resources would be. So I thought at a bare minimum, I need to know my bathroom situation. So. I decided to invest. I call it the Golden Throne because it's like a thousand dollar toilet, and I really had to think hard about this one. <laughs> uh, but I do really love having that. And then I have a. Uh, Was it
1: called the the Golden Throne?
2: That's what I call it. I yeah, love it because <laughs> who spends a thousand dollars on on you know a toilet? But that's I mean, it's important it just, stuff. Yeah, it's life-changing though. I mean, if people live in a van and you're on the fence, I'm not sponsored by Nature's Head, but I'm here for Nature's Head toilets. But the and then the shower, I have one of those Nemo pump showers that you like set it out in the sun and it heats up. And I'll just take like a like a shallow tote and put it on the floor and then string up the shower curtain on two sides, and then you can just kind of keep the water into the tote, and then I'll use an electric. A skillet to heat the water to put in it if I don't have enough time to set it outside and yeah it's just a warm takes like a gallon of water and easy shower pretty much and then I just dump it out
1: okay makes sense now our, our listeners I know that they're they're kind of chomping at the bit right now they're saying doc you've been talking you've been talking to blaze for close to an hour now And we want to hear stories about uh, these medical mishaps out there, the patients that she's treating, what kinds of injuries, what can we do to prevent those injuries? And so let's, let's get down to it. Let's give the listeners what they tuned in for. Uh, (laughs) What stories do you have for us uh, from the trail in terms of people that you've treated this year?
2: So, okay. So I will say in order of like most common tendonitis around the foot and ankle, by far the most common thing that I see. Um, early on, I saw a lot of issues with like just the wrong footwear situation, um, and a lot of times it was, at, you know, at the very at the risk of being attacked on the internet. A lot of times, ultras don't work for people, and what happens mostly is if you wear ultras in, in regular life and just day to day, but you never train in them with a load, you don't actually push through that zero drop in the same way. And so I saw a lot of people that were like, well, i are these, you know, all at work and all day. And I don't know why I'm having Achilles tendonitis." And I'm like, you have 40 pounds on your pack. And, and now you're really pushing through that zero drop. And so mostly I would just see errors in like the wrong footwear for the, the prep or, um, just like, like walking too fast in terms of speed or too many miles too fast. Um, I had to have a conversation a lot of times of you've been hiking for a month and you've taken one day off. Have you ever done an exercise program and only taken one day off in a month? And that usually is sort of a light bulb moment of like, you're right, that's ridiculous. Um, So all of those things are like big factors in early tendonitis. Um, but then some tendonitis is kind of inevitable. You don't have to do anything wrong to just have the wrong set of circumstances where like your recovery wasn't enough relative to what you're asking of your body. Um, so that's, that's the most, that's the most common thing is, is the tendonitis. And then I've seen some wacky stuff, um, but definitely the tendons is top
1: you are just going to leave it at that you say you've seen some wacky stuff and you're not going to you're not going to expound upon that i mean we need to hear the wacky stuff
2: so i think all right when we're talking about preventing wacky stuff my number one advice would be don't get super drunk and walk around town <laughs> because i've seen so many town injuries and a lot of times alcohol is involved but sometimes it's not and It's usually because, you know, you underestimate how fatigued you really are and how easy it is to just roll your ankle off the curb whenever your body is so tired and you're not being like vigilant about your surroundings like you are on trail where you're watching every step. You're just kind of walking like you always would, but under intense fatigue. And then when you throw in alcohol, the injuries just get a little more extreme.
1: <laughs> I mean, how bad is that that a town injury might take you off the trail? That that would be depressing.
2: I'm gonna say half of the injuries I've seen that have taken people off trail have been in town.
1: Now, what is <laughs> what is the worst injury you've seen this season?
2: Um I would say the worst I saw. And, and I just think that this woman is just the toughest person ever because her, it was the most covert knee injury. Um, she was having trouble walking on it. Um, and we were looking at it. It wasn't swollen. Um, she didn't, she had a little bit of point tenderness, but it kind of just presented like bursitis. Um, but because it wasn't, because she was per, day after day, not able to take like a normal step. I was like, I think maybe we should just get this looked at, like all of her tests were kind of inconclusive. Um, it's like, let's, let's see if we can get you an MRI. So I ended up needing to go to Hemalt from Idlewild to get new tires. So I was like, great, full service. I'm going to drop you off at the urgent care and you're going to get this MRI. So she rode along with me and and we talked the whole way about how, like what the doctor might say and how to advocate for herself. So we got the right thing because we know it's ambiguous and, and this doctor threw out all kinds of diagnosis and we were like that just seems crazy and she got the MRI and she had a fracture a tear a bursitis and a meniscus injury like everything in her knee was injured and all she had done was that she could think of was like jump off the last round of a bump bed it just landed just right and just obliterated her knee but most people wouldn't even be able to put pressure on that but she was just lightly limping And so we, we, I mean, we got a laugh out of it. And then also like the, the reality of this is a pretty bad injury, sunken. Um, And I mean, she, I haven't talked to her in a while, but I know she went off to rehab like her knee and just, you know, be off trail. And I think her prognosis is pretty good without surgery, but just that many things being wrong and, and, and walking pretty well with just seemingly no other symptoms was just that
1: one was the craziest. That's wild. Mm-hmm. That's wild. Now, I know medical attention out there is important on the trail. I mean, a lot of, I mean, you're putting a lot of pressure on your body and some wacky things can happen. I mean, as, as an example, you know, we were on the Trans Catalina Trail earlier this summer, just a few weeks ago, and we started out with seven people and we finished with six. And there is a crazy story in there about the seventh person and what happened to her and how we were able to get her medical assistance. And I'm going to save that story because I I have an interview with a couple of, of my, my fellow hikers, uh, scheduled and we're going to, we're going to, we're going to share that that story for our listeners. It was, it was just crazy. And you know, wild things can happen out there.
2: They can. And I mean, I've heard of some other injuries. So some of, some of the, the more intense things that happen to people, aren't people who are coming to me. Like if you visibly break your ankle, um, you might call me in a few weeks to see if it's reasonable to rehab and get back out on trail, but in the moment, you're going right to the hospital. And for the, I've only had a couple people that, you know, they've reached out and, you know, immediate red flags to me where I'm like, no, this is not a rehabable injury. You need to go get checked with imaging and, like, this is not good. <laughs> so I've only had that a couple times. So I think. Some of what you would think I might see in terms of crazy injuries, people have a little more common sense in terms of this is bad, bad. And so they go to the hospital as they should. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Bear attack, intestines falling out. That's not something you can rehab. You've got to get to the hospital on that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. If a bear takes out your intestines, please don't call me. Um, (laughs) But I will say I have picked up on quite a few infections, which makes me really worried that um, because, you know, this wasn't a, a thing in prior years and like, what were people just getting infections and not doing anything about it before? Cause I've probably caught no less than 15 infections that hikers did not realize they had and, or weren't going to really do anything about, but needed like oral antibiotics and attention because infections can really quickly escalate to being life-threatening. And so, and especially under these conditions, you know, we're dirty, sweaty, going through, you know, unknown waters and just, you know, every bacteria that could be in your wound is going to. So that has been one of my biggest PSAs to people is like, if it's red hot and swollen and questionable, don't even debate it. Just go get antibiotics because most doctors are going to say, yeah, absolutely. We're treating this, even if it's like a borderline or mild case, but you just, you just don't mess with infections.
1: Now that almost sounds like a pro tip, but you said it before the pro tip. So I mean you've got to come <laughs> up with something else. That, that's not your oh, pro you're tip. You're
2: right. I might've given away one of my better pro tips. I'll have to go mm-hmm. into the archives. <laughs> yeah.
1: Now I have to ask, I mean, how do you go from being a long trail hiker, a PCT through hiker to saying, you know what, I'm going to follow the hiking bubble and provide some, some needed medical assistance. What, when, when did that light bulb go off for you?
2: So It was kind of a gradual process and I think I just, I had the right pieces in play because I had finished PT school and then got the idea for van life and then decided to do travel therapy. So it was like steps that started to lead me in this direction. And then once I was on the PCT, I, well, first I didn't lead conversations with, I'm a PT and I can help with injuries because that would have just been all I did. So I would, you know, and, and people don't actually talk about what they do in real life on trail all that much. So it wasn't like I had to bury that information. I just didn't have to like start out and forthcomingly be like, just so everyone knows I'm a, I'm a PT because I'm not here to work. And, but while I was at, um, Hiker Heaven is what stands out the first time. There was a hiker who had shin splints. They were really getting her down. She was having trouble treating them. Um, and I was just sitting next to her on the couch. So I was, you know, it's a room full of people chatting. And so I was very easily able to be like, oh, like, does it hurt here, here? Like, just kind of talking through. And I was like, here's what I would do. And, and we just went through the, the taping, the exercises, the different stuff, but kind of like alone in a big room. So nobody was really paying attention to it and which is good in hindsight having seen how busy this is because there were a 100 hikers there and I think if that word had gotten out that may have changed my (laughs) life a little bit um but then I just kind of hiked on like that and it would be like more intimate groups or people I knew better if I heard them or or even my hiking partner had a few things pop up um I would just kind of help as much as I could and then um I didn't I still didn't really think much of it it was just you know I'm It's just what I do, but I'm hiking and, you know, I help people occasionally. So that was all it was to me. And then as I got towards the end of the trail, I ran into that same girl that had the shin splints and I hadn't seen her since. Um, And she was like, so excited to see me and she was thanking me and saying how that made all the difference and all this stuff. And, And that like gratitude from her really made me appreciate what a big difference that could make. And now at this point, having been, you know, well over halfway in the trail because remember we flipped so when I saw her in Washington she was actually she had done the leapfrog thing so we were at weird points but we were over a thousand miles at that point both ways um and she did go on to finish and is actually on her way to triple crown which has been cool to watch um but having had that moment with her I was just like man this journey has been so big for me and if I was able to help someone else do it I would love it if I could make other people not have to lose this trip because of something that could be helped. And then I also saw some people that, you know, they went to doctors who just told them to quit hiking or we were in towns that didn't have any resources. And so just the struggle and the money that it took to try to get any insight to what was going on, um, just all of that sort of started running through my head of this is a problem. This This is a need that could be filled. Um, and then <laughs> there's honey making a cameo in the back. Um, and then, you know, after that I got off, I finished trail and I had, I wanted to do more van life kind of stuff. So I wanted to be remote working. So I was trying to figure out how to be a telehealth therapist for hikers. And so I got a little bit in that rabbit hole and then COVID started and everybody and their every clinic that exists suddenly was like panicking for business because we were shutting down and everyone's like, we do telehealth. Everyone does telehealth. And so it went from being like a market that was super underserved to being oversaturated, like overnight. And so I found that pretty discouraging. And then just kind of went back to the drawing boards and I was like, okay, how can I make this different so I can still, you know, go for hikers not be all telehealth and, you know, do the van thing. And then that's kind of when I sort of got to where I am now. So I do, I'm probably about 50, 50 with, uh, seeing people in person in different towns and then people who are at different points of the trail doing telehealth calls. Um, and they sort of both of them feed each other in the sense of like keeping me busy in person or via telehealth. So it's just, it's working much, better and more fulfilling than I think it would have been if I was trying to only be telehealth and just some stranger posting on the internet because I do meet the hikers and I do get to know them and then sometimes I've met them but when they need help they're further down and so they're calling me but I did already meet them and so it's just it's so much more personal and I really like that.
1: Now, have you met some of the famous thru hikers out there? Some of the ones who are are popular have big YouTube channels or Instagram followings.
2: I've met a few, um, not not probably the ones that would come to mind. So, not like I think I've just missed like Quadzilla, um, uh-huh. and like I think Jupiter and uh, some other people, Josh Perry. They're all out here. Um, I did so message. Just, just
1: so you know, Quadzilla and Jupiter have been on the podcast. Jupiter has been on a couple of times.
2: Nice. Yeah. I know I was like right around them at some points, but we, we seem to move at opposite points and good for them. They are not injured, so they don't need anything. So yeah.
1: Um, yeah. Quadzilla's out there right now, you know, doing a calendar year triple crown uh, attempt calendar, your triple yeah. crown and he's just killing it. I mean, he's doing fantastic.
2: Yeah. I mean, he, as far as I know, if he's had any issues, they've been minor. I don't know if he hasn't needed any of my help, but he, uh, I did reach out to him before he started because I knew he was doing this big thing. And I was like, Hey, just so you know, I'm out here helping PCT hikers. When you get to the PCT, love what you're doing. If you need anything, like definitely feel free to reach out. Cause mm-hmm. I love the idea of keeping people on the PCT for that journey. But if somebody needed help during the calendar or triple crown, that would just be awesome to help with that. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I know there's some big names out here this year, which is fun.
1: Yeah. Hey, did you did you run across a, a PCT through hiker by the name of Magnet?
2: Does you know? I'm gonna feel bad if Magnet knows who I am and I don't know them by that name, but I'm gonna it's not jumping out at me.
1: Okay, all right. Well maybe he wasn't injured, but he he's up in Canada, he's getting not in Canada, he's up in Washington, he's getting close to finishing. So uh, uh he was probably of a...
2: part of that early start group then. Yeah, the, the people who were very early March. I have not met
1: in person. Yeah, they were in the Sierras early, which was fine this year because there wasn't a whole lot of snow. But uh, he, it was a lifelong dream of his to do the PCT, and he he quit his job and said, "I'm doing it," and he, he's having a blast out there. So good for him.
2: Love it. I do know one of the other guests that you've had, um, Sierra. She's yes. also in and traveled a bunch. Yeah. Yeah. I, her I,
1: episode. I, her episode as we as we are recording this on uh, July 28th, her episode comes out in two days. And, oh, nice! And of course, she, she is the the owner, the the host of the how to poop in the woods uh website. So
2: oh that's amazing. I didn't even know that about her. Oh yeah, so
1: yeah. Her episode <laughs> she's hilarious. So yeah.
2: Yeah, I've I've met her a few times. So I've had a lot of fun getting to know her and her trail fan, which is that's mm-hmm. that's another kind of unique experience I get to have. It's I see people more than once just in the towns. And so and then sometimes I get to almost help everybody in a trail fam. And so I'll, I'll get to a new town, um, like Shasta, for instance, I didn't go to Shasta whenever I hiked, we just went to Dunsmere. And so, you know, I'm going into Shasta for the very first time, even though it's a trail town and, you know, looking around, finding my way. And I felt like I knew every hiker in town and there were some of my favorite trail fans here. The first day I got in, And, you know, it's just, It's, it's so lovely to be accepted in the hiking community, like a hiker, but without being a hiker and like, I'll, I'll see them and we'll end up being like, well, have you had lunch? And we just all go get lunch, like just that kind of thing. And, and so getting to know these little teeny bubbles within the bubble has been such an honor.
1: I know exactly what you're talking about, probably on a little bit smaller scale, because I, I have the same feeling that, you know, just talking to these people and being accepted by them and and interacting with them you know I think I said off air that it feels like I have friends all over the world uh from the interviews that I've done and just uh you know having repeat customers like Jupiter or, or gingerballs or uh, Ivy tat I mean uh, it's just really it's <laughs> fun reconnecting with those folks
2: yeah definitely and well that's the, the repeat customer thing is an interesting notion because there's been there's been now but now this late in the season, there's been some hikers that I've seen for like multiple injuries and that always to me feels like like a big honor in that A, their last injury is, is better. It's a bummer they have another injury, but it means a lot to me that they are reaching out again because I feel like that means it's helping. They trust me. And I was a little afraid that it would be a lot of like one and done out here. And if, if, if I'd even see people again or know how they're doing, uh, because in traditional PT, you really get to know your patients. You see them yeah. like free time for three months. And then out here, I've still, I've had that to a, to a degree, either like managing the same injury with a couple visits or a new thing, or just running into them again and hearing that they're doing awesome. And that like repeat encounter is just, that means so much to me.
1: That's great. Hey, Blaze, you know where we are?
2: Where? The pro the tip, pro tip? of the week.
1: That's right. That's <laughs> right. It's time for the pro tip inside of the week. Uh, this is the, the, the part of the episode where you get to share some trail wisdom with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better. What do you have for us?
2: All right. So I did give away one of the better ones in the sense of monitoring infection and knowing when to get internal uh, interventions like antibiotics, but it's worth saying twice because it's such a big deal. Um, and then the other thing, one of the easiest things that anybody can do to reduce injury risk immediately is to just take smaller steps. And it sounds so silly, but, and we don't have studies on through hikers because i have think myself and probably a small handful of other people are probably the only people that would even be interested in studying this very niche population. Um, but we, but people study runners, right? So we have so much information about runners and one of the things with running, and I can't remember the percentage off the top of my head, but I know it's well over 50% is if you shorten your stride with running, you reduce your injuries by over 50% of running related injuries. And so it just totally stands to reason that doing the same thing while hiking with a heavy pack and hiking at faster speeds, just shortening your steps, it reduces that impact. It, it anterior tip tendonitis in the shin is the most common injury that I see. And that's from the foot slapping motion of when your heel lands and your foot goes down, especially downhill. And shortening your stride can take off the load on that tendon. Substantially, so it's just one of the easiest, easiest, and most universally accepted ways to reduce injuries.
1: Fantastic piece of uh, trail wisdom there. Great pro tip. Take it from her; she's a doctor. <laughs> All right, so there you have it. That's it. This episode is just about in the books. I hope our listeners enjoyed our time with Blaze. Want to thank her for joining us this week. Blaze, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media, and where can they find updates on your latest adventures?
2: So social media, you can find me mostly on Instagram is blaze physio. Um, I also have a Facebook page called blaze physio. It's mostly the same posts on both um, and lots of honey content. Uh, I usually mask my educational tips with a cute picture of my dog. So you can look forward for that. And uh, I have a website. It's blazephysio.com.
1: So it's like, and- a, it's like a spoonful of honey with the, with the medical advice. That's, uh, that's, great. that's <laughs> yeah. perfect.
2: Yeah. I had a spell where I was just raging about infections to everyone. And so I would post like infected blister pics and then I would have to intermittently put in a picture of honey, like with her tongue out and be like, sorry about the, like no warning blister pic, but here's honey. Now let's get back to infections.
1: <laughs> yeah. You definitely have to put a, an advisory warning on the, on the, the blister picture.
2: yeah so i always joke that honey is the absolute backbone of this business so she's the marketing team and this just the whole business plan so my instagram has some physio tips but lots of Honey pictures
1: nice well remember to check out the pod on social media as well we're on facebook youtube instagram twitter and tiktok you have a tiktok account blaze
2: you know i have the username but i haven't made the inaugural tiktok it'll happen but i'm not there (laughs)
1: <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm going to subscribe. So put pressure on you to, to, to release something there.
2: I'll have one follower. <laughs>
1: okay. And if you have comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at John at gmail.com. The adventure media recommendation. All right, blaze. I'm also looking to you to share a recommendation for a book, a movie, documentary website, some kind of adventure media to keep our listeners connected to outdoor adventures. We call this our adventure media recommendation. What do you have for us?
2: You know, I loved the book Thirst uh, by Anish. I believe that's how you say her name. I'm not Mm -hmm. wrong, Anish. Um, I tried to read it in sequence with my PCT hike, but then I could only read like one page a day because she was so fast. Uh, But just a really, really good trail book.
1: It seems to me that if she was so fast and you were slower than her, that you'd have to read, uh, oh, I would think you'd have to read more day but maybe, maybe I'm thinking of it backwards
2: well like one page was like 70 miles of trail okay so <laughs> eventually the book was just too good and I just read
1: it <laughs> you, could, you couldn't you couldn't measure it out that way you had to you yeah, had I didn't want
2: to it carry it quite that long faster either, so. rate.
1: <laughs> got it okay we'll have to check that one out
2: have we not asked you?
1: Okay. And before we wrap things up, I've got just one more segment for you called, what have I not asked you that you're dying to tell us about? What do we, what do we miss today in this episode?
2: You know, I don't know that we missed anything. I feel like we went down almost all of my main rabbit holes. Um, yeah. I mean, I could give you some like cheesy inspirational line about try to make a creative life for yourself because the risk is well worth the reward because when I started this, it was, I, I had saved enough money and decided that if I didn't make a dollar and I only helped one person, it would be fine. And then it's just been way more than I could have ever anticipated. So it's worth the leap.
1: Yeah. You know what I am? I'm am kind of um, impressed with the way that you have been open to life's suggestions. I mean, there were, there were a series of events that took place and the dominoes kind of fell and you were receptive to that. And it led you down this path to what you're doing today. I mean, um, that's, that's listening to the universe when it's talking to you.
2: Yeah. That's a good, uh, a good perspective. I like that.
1: (laughs) Okay. Well, Hey, that's a wrap from the John Freaky mirror studio. Any shout outs to friends and family blaze?
2: I want to shout out my hiking partner from the BCT tweak. I don't know if she'll listen to this, but I'll probably make her. So give her a little shout out for me and my adventure soulmate.
1: Okay. Now, do you know a tweak and a twerk or did it? i confused.
2: <laughs> I do know a tweak and a twerk. Yeah. <laughs> a tweak and a twerk. Oh, a twerk. Okay.
1: Good. Good. I, I just want to make sure I didn't miss that one. Okay.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Twerk does the, the hiker trash vogue. And he also took my website photos, um, which was the first time I saw this kind of come to life when we were, you know, doing those photos with some of my PCT friends up on Mount lemon in Tucson. And uh, that was my moment of, I can picture this, this feels real. And so shout out to Torque as well for that.
1: <laughs> you know, maybe the name of this episode is not, uh, what was that? Some steps are questionable. Maybe maybe the title of this episode is tweaking and twerking with Blaze on the PCT. I don't know. I'll have to, I'll have to toy around with that.
2: Yeah, I like both.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, hey, thank you for tuning in. Always remember, the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if your infection is raging and Blaze is nowhere in sight. The trail is the trail. Embrace. The suck.
0: I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. For even more content, be sure to watch the original films from HuntStand Presents on the Waypoint TV channel every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern.